Welcome back to Digesting Dark. We're tackling the Netflix series Dark one episode at a time as we rewatch through the first two seasons of Dark leading up to the premiere of the third and final season on June 27th, 2020. For this episode, we rewatched episode number two titled Lies, and we're here to talk all about it. My name is Zach Brooks, and I am joined, as always, to the nickel to my Magnus, Aaron Brooks. Yeah, I think we uh, got that order right, and we didn't say the wrong names for the first time. Yeah. Well, I was thinking before we were like, oh, the Mads to my Mickle, which, like, I guess maybe there could be some weird theory where uh, Mads and Mickle were somehow, like, uh, alternate versions of each other. I do feel that, you know, well, we do see that he's dead. Nothing is really dead in this show, first of all. And we have seen very little about Mads. So who knows? Maybe Mads is someone else, like maybe HG or something. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I was thinking, too, as I was looking through uh, some of the character charts, just like where we have blank spots, which I think is really interesting to think about. And uh, one of the big blank spots that we have that I don't think we know anything about is Katarina's parents. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean... Really, in the first season, if I remember correctly, Katarina just kind of seems a little bit left in the dark, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. compared to a lot of the other characters. Well, we are introduced to young Katarina. Finally, at the end of this episode, we are, uh, well, finally, only two episodes in, but we are finally to the 80s now. Um, we are to November 5th, 1986, which is where Mikkel ends up after he time travels through the caves. So, of course, uh, we've already been talking about it. This is a spoiler filled podcast. Spoilers meaning everything through season two. So we're going to talk about each episode of Dark as we rewatch it from the perspective of knowing everything before the third season comes out. It's a chance for us to refresh on our own knowledge and uh, help other people refresh before the third season comes out. Then once season three drops in June, we will be doing one episode at a time going through literally doing what the title of this podcast is, digesting the show Dark. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, All right, so the way we like to do this is just kind of going through our uh, episode breakdown and recap just based on the families. I think, at least for right now, that's the easiest way to do it. As we start getting more and more, uh, more and more ties between different people, it might make more sense to do things like in the years, uh, in the eras. But we'll just we'll just see. It's it. Everything's a big circle on this show. Yeah, I think even in the first you know breakdown, we were talking about one family, and that would naturally branch into us talking about like Bartos and then going over to Jonas like it's kind of hard just to go family by family here just because yeah because everybody's all, so connected they seem like they're all just one big family like, well they might be I mean like uh, it might be like a family of like three people responsible for this whole town or something well I, I mean I think the name Adam which we don't get Adam in season one but Adam obviously is the the character we get in season two he is a allegedly grown-up Jonas I mean Adam in the Bible was the first man uh, will we get an Eve that we're like, everybody descends from Adam and Eve somehow? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I really, I don't know, but um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting to go back and watch this from the beginning in episode two. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's, I know, I think, you know, you and I both are, are getting super deep into this in terms of like taking notes. You said you've been pausing after each scene and taking notes. I've been kind of trying to take very brief notes while I'm still watching the screen and reading the uh, subtitles. Yeah, I I am like, uh, I'm like Jamie Kennedy's character in Scream, I, except in, instead of everybody's a subject, a suspect, every line's a suspect. Mm-hmm. Every line, I'm like pausing and rereading it 
and thinking about how to apply to things. And it's, I, I've never watched a show this way. Um, and I'm not sure I ever can or will, but this show really actually holds up to the scrutiny of me breaking down every line, every shot. There's just, there's a, there's a lot to dig into. Yeah. I definitely think there's some shows that are built like this where you can dive into them and really look into everything. So I did it on house of cards. Uh, I did house of cards podcast back when house of cards was first coming out on Netflix. And even with that, I mean, that show is not anywhere close to the quality of this, but there is a lot with like color theory that I was able to find in that. And like, if you, you, the amount of uh, detail that goes into some of these shows is, is really staggering. I think Watchmen is another one that you could definitely sit and break down each episode. Uh, Mr. Robot. I mean, you know, there are, there are some shows, even, even shows that don't have the, the fantasy sci-fi elements to them like these do. Um, you know, I think like if you did that with The Wire or with Mad Men, I think you could get quite a bit out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's um, yeah, maybe it will be a new way I start to watch shows and make them last three times as long because each episode for me is about a two and a half hour ordeal right now. <laughs> well, so, it's a good thing we have a lot of time. Yeah, thank God for quarantine. Right. So, uh, let's jump in. All right, let's jump into it. So uh, I think this was really the Nielsen episode. So I think we, we really need to start with them. Um, we get the most from the Nielsen family. Of course, we're following throughout this episode, we're following Ulrich as he is trying to figure out where his son Mikkel is. We know Mikkel is in 1986. Ulrich does not. We see Ulrich going through the caves. He sees the door where the, uh, where the nuclear waste is held. Um, and he's, he's trying to figure out the connection between the caves and uh, the nuclear power plant. Um, and we're also seeing, um, you know, him just kind of investigating. He, he gets a lead and I I thought it was interesting in this episode, especially I was thinking about it for first time viewers and you're still getting that like police procedural, right? Like, uh, Ulrich finds, uh, finds some evidence with the van that makes him think that it's, uh, Obendorf, which is Eric's father, that he's the one responsible for this, that he kidnapped both these kids. So it's just kind of what you would see in a sh- in any kind of uh, murder suspect show like this, where the main character is is investigating and following a lead in episode two. And anybody who watches TV knows, like, okay, well, the lead that he's following in episode two is not going to be the uh, actual suspect. Yeah, exactly. This takes place nine hours after Mikkel disappeared, so it really does set you into a frame that this is going to be like a missing child show. Mm-hmm. Like, um, and Even because there are subtle hints to time. And I mean, you see, you see some of the stuff, you see the stranger, some of the stuff with the stranger, but until the very end of the episode, you know, if you're watching for the first time, unless you're really paying attention, you probably don't know that you're dealing with a time travel show. Yeah. I think there's a few like, which I'm going to pay attention to more moving forward. Um, background ticking noises you'll hear sometimes before like yes. the picture shows up. And then, you hear a lot. I definitely, you definitely hear a, a clock in the background quite a bit in the show. And with what we know about the time machine that uh, HG builds, like that's the noise it makes as it's like setting up its pillars, mm-hmm. of, like which is most likely past, present, and future. Um, like, oh, the three, the pillars. three pillars. I think that would be my deduction from. But yeah. Um, so yeah, it's nine hours after. Um, yeah, it's nine hours after, and then. It also kind of starts the same way as the first episode with Jonas waking up in a dream or waking up from a nightmare, but it was a dream within a dream this time. Yeah. I was trying to remember if we see the Jonas nightmares a lot. I guess we do. Cause we do see the nightmare about Martha a lot in season two. Um, 
I just don't really remember the nightmares happening that much, but it happened in the first two episodes, both to open this, open the episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, um, I definitely noticed that. All right. So let's see what else with the, with the um, Nielsen. So, I mean, we have the, the Nielsen children reacting. We, we see them with uh, mostly with Katarina talking to her. Um, we see um, Martha and Katarina talking about, about Mikkel disappearing. We see Magnus punching the wall. Um, he's very angry. He's very emo in this episode. Very weird decision there. Yeah. Um, Magnus is a funny character just in general. Like he really doesn't do much in this show. Uh, and then he's just like, uh, he's just like Adam's pawn. So I'm curious if he's just always going to be like a, the side character really has nothing to do. Yeah. And then Tronte um, is another um, guy who I noticed a lot more in this rewatch than I've noticed before. Yeah, so the, we didn't see him in the first episode. He is uh, Ulrich's father, and yep. um, we I know we get introduced to him in the 50s timeline um, when he comes to the town as a child as well. Yeah, exactly. And then in the 80s, um, definitely there's a lot of similarities between him and Claudia and Hannah and Ulrich. Mm, uh, interesting. But, like, And I'll get into that as we as they come up more, but... Um, yeah, with Tronte, um, we see him washing his sweater, and it has the blood on it. Which, um, again, is like your standard police procedural, like, oh, we're seeing somebody who's got blood on a sweater, so, you know, they must be involved in the missing child. Yeah. Um, which he is. I believe that um, he they are the ones who find Mads. Is that correct? Him and so Peter? Yeah, that, yeah, so that's why. So I actually, you know, that we're doing this with spoilers. I recontextualized the whole, when they're announcing over the radio, they show Peter crying in his car. Right. He's crying in his car because he's hearing about the missing kids that he and Tronte helped move the night before, which we find out later in the season. Mm-hmm. So that, was, that was what I, I was trying to remember exactly what it was. But yeah, and when we see Peter crying, he's yeah. crying outside of the bunker as well. Yeah, he's crying because it's already happened what he did the day before, which mm-hmm. is happening later on. So Tronte and Peter are working together. Yeah. Um, so that's another... Uh, connection there, Tronte lies to Jana, who's um, the wife, his yes. wife. Yes, Ulrich's mom, yep. Yeah, and there are huge similarities between um, those two and Katarina and Ulrich. I mean, they're just the echoes of how similar Ulrich lies to Katarina, uh, Tronte lies to Jana. They both know and they both kind of just deal with it. So um, I definitely thought that was interesting, but and love triangles, um, you know, three. You, you're, you know, love triangle doesn't look that dissimilar from the the symbol with the three uh, three infinity circles. Exactly. Yeah. So these, and yeah, it's just like these two cheated with this person, and then their kids cheated with like it's all the all like when Jana keeps saying, uh, I believe it's Jana, J A N A. Yeah, I think it's Jana. I think you're right. So, when Jana is, she keeps saying, this is all happening again, just like it happened 33 years ago. Mm-hmm. And like, um, it's just, you know, I mean, and we've seen how, you know, quote unquote crazy she seems, um, you know, uh, and then we see how crazy Katarina gets throughout this series. Too. Yeah. And losing her mind just convinced that she knows where her kid is because she experienced it when, you know, Kat- and and she does so Katarina does end up traveling in time in the mm-hmm. second season, correct? Yes. Where does yeah, she go? Does she go to the eighties? She goes to the eighties and literally sees Mikel, uh, I believe. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. And um 
you know, and like she also has a ton of interactions right away with Mattel when he comes back to the eighties. Like there's just and Jana's not related to Katarina. You know, no. Jana, and yet that we know of. Right. Exactly. Yet there's they kind of look similar and they act very similar. They seem to have the same mental makeup. But like again, you know, it's just just things to really notice. So mm-hmm. Yeah, and I trust it will be interesting to keep tracking as we go through because, you know, we do see him as a child. We know his mother is Agnes, who is Noah's sister, but we yeah, do not know who Trante's father is. And we don't know where they come from when they just show up in the 50s. There's some of, yeah, they're one of the few people who comes into this town um, from that, the outside and, world. Yeah, and, it's, and that's weird for them even in the 50s. So I believe in this episode, the radio talks about Chernobyl at times, I believe. Um, I don't. I didn't catch it on the radio, but I did see it on the newspaper that Mickle sees. Okay, that's right. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, there's a lot of mentions about Chernobyl, the effects on, you know, the water supply, the effects overall on the area. So the birds um, potentially. Um, the birds. Yeah, and um, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Chernobyl, and obviously, this is a town that is centered around a nuclear power plant that is having its own issues and they're trying to hide their wrongdoing and the, the waste. Um, and, and I can't remember exactly how that all turns out with the waste. I know that eventually the black hole develops from them digging into the waste that gets buried into the ground in season two. Um, yeah. But yeah, I can't remember exactly what like Alexander is trying to hide. Um, and we see him, we see him moving that nuclear waste into a truck in this episode. Yeah, I think that with this, if we're having trouble remembering something, it's a sign that we're not supposed to talk about until it comes up. Yeah, probably. So, you know, like, um, I don't exactly recall the exact details on that either, but um, with the birds, I did pick up quite a bit of interesting stuff with the obituary with Charlotte, if we're done with the Nielsen, do you think? Uh, let's see. I'm just trying to think of this. Yeah, because we've kind of jumped around. Um, just looking well, to see if there's anything else I want to bring up about the Nielsens. Uh, uh, obviously, Donna, I think I think we should talk a little bit about Nickel arriving in the 80s as well. Well, just before we do that, um, mm-hmm. Jana going to Tombstone of Mads. Mm. That, that is a scene that, from the first time I've seen it, I've been so confused about. Um, the figures that I believe she's switching. Yeah, she switches an action figure off of his grave. And I believe the action figures are from Masters of the Universe. I wasn't sure what they were from. But yeah, I mean, they look like Masters of the Universe. I just assumed it was some German show. I don't know. Yeah, I think it may be Masters of the Universe, which maybe is like like a Mads Master of the Time Universe or something, or is of an alternate universe. Like, is that because on his gravestone it says 1972 to infinity for him? Oh, really? Yes. No, I didn't know. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and so and she switches um, the character, the figures. Like, why is she doing that? Mm-hmm. Like, is it? Does she think like? Is it kind of like one of these things like with like fate or determinism, where it's like you take a slight turn to the left with your sailboat and you end up so far away? It's like, oh, I switched this one thing and it changes everything. Like, or is there like a reason to that? Does she know something? Like, it's such a focused action to like focus on and like what if i just wonder if you have any sort of theory of what those figures mean no um and i think we do get later on uh, an explanation of how often she changes the action figure on his tombstone um whether okay. it's every year or uh it might be every year because she's doing it it's 33 years since he's disappeared because he disappeared the you know the anniversary is the day before so maybe it's that every year she switches it out on the anniversary oh, um God. 
But I did notice that when she's changing it, so on top of his tombstone is an action figure, but the tombstone behind them is oh. a tombstone that's topped with a, a crucifix. So it's like the action figure is taking the place of the religious symbol on Mads' tombstone. Interesting. I did not pick that up. Yeah. Um, and another thing, I, we would consider the stranger a Nielsen, right? Uh, no, I consider the stranger uh, Cronwald because it's Jonas. Okay. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, God. See, even I get confused. Yeah. Okay, so I have, yeah, I have stranger information. Um, another thing, oh, just real quick, another thing I noticed, which I'll say this a lot during this podcast, but um, Trante, <laughs> as they're looking for Mattel in the fields, they show Trante putting the brown book that Noah has into his pocket. Oh, really? I did not see that. I didn't Very, that. They just show him shoving it in his left pocket. So that book is the book. I think uh, Charlotte has that, or not Charlotte. Um, Claudia has that book a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's and there's like in the second season we get the page ripped out of it, um, which Noah takes. So that book gets passed around quite a bit. Yeah, but like if, if they show him purposely putting this brown book, that is that brown book. Mm-hmm. Very very sneakily done, but like. You just kind of see, it looks like Trante is just going through the motions. Like he knows what's coming and he knows what he has to do. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like the result, but he knows he has to do it. So yeah. I, um, I think we're going to get a lot more of Trante in the, in the final season. Um, just because he, he's got to be a very important character. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Agnes is a future time traveler who goes back, you know, where they come from really is from the, you know, 2053 timeline. Um, yeah. And they travel all the way back to the um, the fifties. Yeah, and then um, I kind of wonder, you know, with you know, with Ulrich searching, you know, for uh, Eric's dad's place or whatever, if that was just kind of like the first red herring of the show. Yeah, that's. I think that's all that is. Um, is that all? Okay. Yeah. It's just to like, yeah, it's just to kind of. And it's almost to like make you think this is going to be a procedure. Exactly. Like, that you're like, oh yeah, oh. like it's like it's like you're watching an episode of CV, of uh, CSI, right? And they're like, oh yeah, it was the groundskeeper who did it. Yeah. And then they go to the groundskeeper's house, they find a bag that looks like it's going to have body parts in it, and it's just got drugs in it. Yeah, because it looks like a head when he pulls it out. Yeah, you know? and then I couldn't even remember what was in there, and then it's like, oh yeah, it's the drugs, and then him and Eric were dealing drugs together. Yeah. And and I just love when shows put their audience in the position of the people in the show. Because every, you know, a lot of people in the show are just wanting this to just not be a big deal and just be a normal kind of run of the mill. They he ran away, he right. ran away before, and like with this, it's like, oh, it's just a kidnapping. There's nothing more here. It's just a kidnapping. Right? Yeah, and even the, um, you know, even up to the last five minutes of the episode, it's, you know, if you're not a sci-fi person, you'd probably be like, oh yeah, this is cool. It's like a, you know, it's it's a true detective type story. You know, we're going to see how, you know, there's something going on in this town where the kids are being taken. And then all of a sudden the last shot, you're like, oh, wait, Mikkel didn't get taken. He has somehow ended up in the past. Yeah. So, so. Uh, I think that's all I have on the Nielsen's. Yeah, I think I think that's it. So let's talk about the Cronwalds because we started talking about the stranger and Jonas. Um, and there's a lot less of Jonas in this episode. But, um, you know, we do. Obviously, we have Hannah trying to get a hold of Ulrich all episode. and um, finally, she confronts him at the police station. He keeps avoiding her phone calls. And I was thinking a lot about like, you know, like, Hannah, like, what are you doing? This guy just lost his child. Like, he's not interested in having sex with you right now. Uh, he's not interested in like having a relationship with you. And then, you know, I think about like what we see with Hannah as she's a, when she's a teenager and her obsession with Ulrich. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, this obviously is an obsession that has lasted 30 plus years. And uh, she ends up, because it's always kind of been hard for me to figure out, like, well, how does she still end up with Mikkel, who becomes Michael? Like, enough that they have a teenage child. Like, they're clearly, like, even if they're unhappy, they're, like, together for 20 plus years. That's uh, how upset she is with them. Right. And what I was thinking is it's because Mikkel is a version of Ulrich and is Mikkel is Ulrich's son. So, you know, she probably, the things that she's obsessed with about Ulrich, she probably sees some of that in Mikkel, which is what initially like starts their romance. Yeah. I think she, it may be as far as she eventually realized it and realized this was Ulrich and it was a way of ultimately punishing Ulrich, which is like what she gets to by the end of the season when she's talking to Alexander who his name is Alexander Kohler, by the way. That's his new name. We were having trouble remembering Boris. Was, yeah, it's Alexander. Boris is his, his like, birth name. Yeah, like, Boris. His name before, but he, he assumes the identity of Alexander. Yeah, so, um, but, like, when she's talking to Alexander, she tells him at the end of the season, I want you to ruin his life. I mm-hmm. want you to ruin him. And, um, you know, that's probably why when he's trying to search the caves, he's so unwilling to help and so cold about it. This is all part of punishing Ulrich by having Mikkel go back. It's all like a huge punishment, which eventually gets Ulrich to go back and be trapped back and get lost in time. And it's like, it's like. So you think Hannah is behind Mikkel disappearing in the first place? I think she could be. I think hmm. I, I think she could be. I, I just think like that it, the like love and obsession may be like the heroes and villains of this show. Yeah, I just don't know how, because she doesn't know anything that's going on, or at least doesn't seem like she knows. I mean, she doesn't even know that Mikkel is Michael. She finds that out later. Um, but, you know, you even, I think, um, and remember, yeah, but even, I think there is even a moment at the hospital when she looks at Mikkel and, like, realizes there's something different kind of about him. But mm-hmm. maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But just, I just think that Hannah is a huge, huge force in this show. It's not just in the present. Or right. Well, and I mean, eventually, it seems like she's going to stay uh, when she stays in the past and she starts a relationship with Egon Tiedemann um, after Doris leaves him. So, you know, then gets tied somehow into the Claudia Regina Bartos uh, storyline as well. So, yeah. So when like the, like lights are kind of going out in this episode and there's like the power outage or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, Jonas asks Hannah if she thinks um, he's keeping a secret and she responds with Nico. Yep. I noticed that too. Uh, and then like, he's like, what? He's like, no, Michael. Yeah, your husband? Yeah. And then she's like, I don't even know who he was anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what, so, you know, just like, and she, you know, and then he asked if, she, when he asked if she loved him, the lights come back on. Mm. So, like, power of love. I don't know. But, yeah. Like, love gets brought up and weird things happen when love's brought up a lot in this show. Mm-hmm. Especially when Jonas brings up love, um, you know, uh, they obviously show, they show um, the, you know, just to go back with Mikkel, they show Mikkel as Houdini. So there's a lot this episode saying Mikkel is Houdini. Mm-hmm. Down to the poster of him too. So. And we have, um, you know, as we talk about Jonas, so we see Jonas as the stranger, the the future version of Jonas. Which, um, just to talk about the casting of that actor who plays the stranger version of Jonas, it's great because you can't tell it's Jonas, but then once you find out at the end of the season, that's who that is. Rewatching it, you're like, oh yeah, I can totally see how this could be an older version of this uh, teenage actor. 
So it, it, it's like really great casting because it doesn't tip you off, but it, it looks good in retrospect and you can see it. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and they also do a really good job too with uh, the stranger. They show him with the hood on, with the green raincoat, which is similar to the coat that we see Noah um, when, when he's got Eric in the room. So, you know, for first time viewers, they're watching this and they're just assuming that this guy, the stranger, is actually the, the real perpetrator watching the real, the real enemy uh, villain here. And he's also the one who took Eric and we see, you know, we're seeing cross cuts of, of him with Eric in that, in that bunker. Mm -hmm. yeah of course we know they're not the same person but even in the last episode you thought they were so it's like they do a good job of making you think that yeah and um just uh and then jonas finds a map of the caves um which was planted by michael which uh again like uh, you know another i have like a few different like kind of paranoid theories but one of them is like this is all just a huge trick by mikhail like using time as the time as the illusion so i i don't know how they'd wrap it up but it just seems like you know um uh, purposely or michael left this for jonas to find yeah um and i can't remember if we get more what the day before jonas goes back if we get more about when that that map gets put up there or anything else with the origins of that map mm-hmm. um so we'll have to we'll have to watch that as we're watching this i did notice though what I thought was really cool is Jonas. So Jonas is laying on the floor of the attic when we see him um, after, you know, the first scene we see him with is when he has the nightmares. Um, But then he wakes up laying on the, laying on the floor of the attic and he starts looking around at the walls and he's looking at pictures on the wall. And then he grabs a flashlight and that's when he finds the map of the caves. And that parallels so much what we see of the stranger in this episode. Again, if you know the stranger and Jonas are the same person, that the stranger has that flashlight, his like futuristic flashlight thing on the table right by all of his pictures that are on the wall. So, they, I mean, those two scenes really parallel each other, but you, if you're watching for the first time, would never pick that up. Yeah, exactly. That's a good call. So, um, and, you know, I do think the, uh, the scene with the stranger where he's looking at all the pictures on the wall, it's a little silly because it's like he's looking at all these different pictures of circles and it's kind of like, okay, we get it. Like time is a circle. But uh, that was like the first time I really thought like something in this show was a little cheesy where I was like, yes, okay, we get it. <laughs> like, you know, the stranger, if he was traveling from the future, would not be like, oh, I need to put up a picture of a circle on the wall. So yeah. I remember. It's very on brand. Yes. Uh, very, yeah, very on the nose too. Um and, uh, oh, one other thing, talking about Jonas's dream at the beginning of the episode, which, again, I don't know if there's much of a significance, but he keeps seeing his, a bloody version of his father. Um, and we hear a voice calling out to Jonas. Mm-hmm. And I think we're supposed to assume that that's Michael. It sounded like Adam to me. Hmm. So, you know, I, you know, this could just be a dream, but is this something where he's had some interaction with Adam that he doesn't remember. And we're seeing, you know, we're seeing him have a memory of that. Yeah, that could, I didn't even think it's like, I, I keep forgetting to consider Adam in this first season almost. Right. That he's most likely playing a, playing a force. And I mean, I, I would really like to think that, that, you know, they didn't just write Adam as like a season two villain, but they had Adam written the whole time. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. Yeah. So um, we'll have to look for other things. Um, when we do come back to Jonas later on in the episode and he's looking at the map, I noticed the clock very clearly said 1927. Hmm. So at first I was like, oh, 
that's, you know, if you do that into, you know, standard time, 1927 is 727. And I was like, oh, that's June 27th. But then I realized that seven is July. So, yeah. Uh, but, and then I was, and then I was thinking, ooh, that's 1927. Uh, is that a year we go back to? We don't. We go to 1920 and 1921. Mm. Um, so maybe it was just the time that was on the clock. I'm not sure if it has any significance. Yeah. No, it's, that's the great thing about this show. Yeah. Um, um, and I, I, I think we talked about Tronte and we talked about him in the fifties, but maybe it was the twenties when he, when we see Tronte um, as a little boy. Um, it's hard to remember because I know we go to the fifties. We also go to the twenties. Um, I think during this season. So I'm trying to keep that straight. I would think it's the fifties just because I believe in the eighties, he was a reporter and he had the mustache. Yeah, no, you're right. It would have to be, it would have to be the fifties because otherwise he would be like a hundred years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and that actor is not a hundred years old. So yeah, it's the fifties. Yeah. But we do get the twenties. I know that the there's some stuff with Noah in the twenties as a child. Um, I don't remember what else we get in the twenties. So mm-hmm. um, we'll have yeah. to we'll have to watch. Do you have anything else on the Cronwalds? Um, no, I don't think so. I think this was a, a lighter episode for them, but um, really more focused on the Nielsens. So yeah, no, I agree. Um, just a couple more notes that I had. Um, you know, I, I do like these smaller episodes that just kind of really do create a just like a really lived in real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, again, my boy HG shows up in this episode. Yep, I saw him too. Wearing black. Oh, I didn't notice he was wearing black. Only time in the series he's wearing black. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Uh, and he's on there. He's talking about how far scientists are willing to go. Um, you know, I don't know, like talking about traveling through black holes there's all sorts of imagery and uh, i'm just uh i really you know like wonder about hg the journey through time mm-hmm. like, what, what i don't know well and he's he's on the tv so he's clearly inspiring noah and um and helge as they're putting as they're trying that experiment on eric and it seems like a more ominous hc than before and he's wearing black he's always wearing white otherwise mm-hmm. like is this another world hg maybe who's on the screen is this mm-hmm. like the second world hg i don't know like oh maybe like the alternate version of hg what could hg stand for um yeah helge without without the e and the l <laughs> there it is we've yeah. solved we've solved dark okay. yeah that's um, it yeah, the, it, I just it either is it. I've been like trying to rearrange the letters. If I have an acronym, I don't know, anagram. Whatever. An anagram would be rearranging the letters. Um, yeah. An acronym would be if H stood for you know yeah. hello and G stood for girls or something like that. Hello, God. Is he yeah. God? Uh, I mean, you got to also remember this is a German show, so HG yeah. could be a phrase in German that is oh, not a phrase true. in English. True. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know, but H like. Every time he shows up, I'm like crossing my arms and like very skeptical, which I've not ever been before with him. So. Yeah, this is a reason why I wouldn't want to go to the dark Reddit because I feel like dark Reddit probably unscrambled HG Tanhouse into oh. whatever into yeah. whatever that is. Yeah, no, I've I've I haven't been on there since the beginning of season two, but yeah, I, you know, like. It's more fun to theorize on this, but it's like somebody on Reddit can like unscramble the words, figure out what it is in German. Like they would do all the, all the work and um, probably could like find a a big missing puzzle piece. And I'd rather like 
figure that out. You know, they will, even if it's German words, they'll somehow explain what those German words mean to us before we get them. Yeah, it just seems like there's so much, so many characters whose journeys start by getting that book. Mm -hmm. Well, and we saw the book, um, was the stranger had the book in his briefcase, correct? In this episode? Mm -hmm. Yep. So, but it was like a new version of it. It looked like a very nice version of the book. Yeah. And I think he, I think that H.G. makes a comment about that at one point, once the book is shown to him, that there was only a limited amount of copies made. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. That's just, that's my H.G. report for the day. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's see. Anything else on the Doppler? So we get Charlotte in this episode. Um, She's looking at Mads and and just kind of doing some police work. I don't think we really get much else that she does in this. She's obsessed with birds. Yeah. So I can't remember how the birds, because we see the birds a couple times. Um, I think she sees all the dead birds like she does at the end of this episode in another episode in the 80s. Like the child version of her sees all the birds. Is that right? Yeah. And um, so their ear canals are destroyed. And um, the um, the autopsy person, uh, the coroner, whatever I guess, would yeah. um, she was you know theorizing it could be from pressure caused by a nosedive or intense rotation from a centrifuge. Mm-hmm. So you know, obviously, we learned that is war along the line. Well, of and I mean, these might be birds that travel through time, because Eric also had his ear canal destroyed. They said. Yeah. Oh, true. Oh, so. It, it could be that these are birds from the fifties that somehow travel through, through a portal and you know, they get destroyed because yeah, of I'm pretty sure there's sheep that at one point have the same issue though. A okay. farmer has all his sheep die and they also have the ear canals explode. Yeah. So that, I mean, it might be a clue that like, cer- like you know, certain creatures just are not built to travel through time the way uh, apparently or, humans are. Or it might be a clue that there's like a radiation br- br- burst every time this portal views that starts to wear down that would i mean that could make sense too because we see the the tie between the portal and the nuclear uh waste yeah so, so it, that could be it but um yeah the bird seems to be like the main focus you know peter crying is a little bit of the focus too but like um other than that i didn't notice too much with the dopplers and i brought up that peter was crying outside of the outside of the bunker correct yep so, and we do see, so we see a lot of stuff at the bunker. Eventually we'll see Peter when the, um, at the end of the second season, when the, the big uh, explosion, I don't know if it's the actual apocalypse or if it's the, I think it is the apocalypse that we see at the end of season two um, that happens on June 27th. Peter ends up in the bunker with Noah and with, with Elizabeth and um, I think Katarina as well um, yeah. at the very end of the, the second season. So, um and, you know, again, I, I think also talking about the, the Dopplers. So we don't see Helge at all in this episode. We do see Francisca just briefly. Um, we see Magnus asking her. I guess Magnus saw her the night of Mikkel's disappearance. So he's asking her. And I think some of that is like red herring. You're supposed to wonder, like, why was Francisca? You know, why is the weird girl, why is the weird girl following them the night that the kid gets uh, captured? Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, Magnus has his ideas about Francesca later on too they're way off base also yeah um and then the last the last doppler uh, we do not see elizabeth again episode two we still have not seen elizabeth at all or heard from her no um so i mean we the only reason why we know she exists is because we've watched further in this show and there was the one family portrait that we saw yeah so uh speaking of family portraits we do see the family portrait of the tiedemans which is uh regina alexander and bartos Mm -hmm. um 
And Bartos is not smiling. Bartos no. is running. No. Bar- um, and yeah. the other two are just look kind of unsure. Bartos yeah, I mean, it was just kind of like a, it, yeah, it was not a, it was not a happy like, photo. Um, yeah, this is German family portraits or they it's like the awkward family photos are always like awkwardly smiling in germany do they just like i think so i mean i mean maybe it's cultural maybe it's uh it's just to get set the mood but it it is nice because that is a good way especially for new viewers like if you're not building a character chart it's at least a way that you can be like oh yeah okay this is this person's mother um especially for a family like the tiedemans which we really don't see much from them except alexander in this episode yeah well we see bartos trying to reach martha Right, and, similar to how Hannah is trying to reach Ulrich. Yeah, and Bart, but Bartos kind of has a look on his face like he was already told this was happening, or like he already knew this was happening. Like, and he was just going through the motions. He kind of had a similar expression that reminded me of of Trotto. Mm. Oh, I've been told my future. I can't change my future. I have to do this. Like, and later in the season, we will see Bartos meeting with Noah, but I don't think that's already happened yet in this timeline. Yeah, I just, you know, yeah, again, I think Bartos is often portrayed in this show as kind of the idiot, slimy, wormy guy. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think maybe he, you know, he, he gets shown to have more of a more of a role than a lot of people realize. Yeah, I mean, I think with Bartos, we know so little about him, um, even through two seasons. I think that he, you know, that's probably like a, a clue that we will learn more because otherwise there's no reason to really have him as a character. So we know it's, yeah, it's really weird to take your friend's crush when he's away on a mental health issue for a couple months. Like, mm-hmm. that's weird. That's yeah. really weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, but it could be chalked up to just being like a horny teenager. Yeah, true. So, um, all right. And uh, yeah, I think that covers everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, you know, it's interesting to see where we end up. I, the next episode, I can't remember if the whole episode takes place in the 80s, but we definitely get the, like, Back to the Future episode where uh, where Mikkel is in the 80s, 30 years before, you know, uh, 30 years before the present time that we're watching, interacting with his parents and uh, interacting with the high school. I mean, this is, like, really some Back to the Future level stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. And the third episode, I think, is, like, the first episode where I really realized the show is really different. Right. Agreed. And I think that's why um, it's always helpful for me on a rewatch with these first two episodes, because I was like watching them and I liked it, but I was just kind of like, like, okay, yeah, it's just like a procedural, like I get why people like this, but yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't picking up on the time travel stuff the first time I watched it. And then no. the end of the second episode was like, Oh, I have to watch episode three. Right. Now. Yeah. And the characters like aren't really that amazing through two episodes. They get better as the show goes for sure. Right. Like the first episode, there's like it's hard to our first couple episodes. It's hard to find like that MVP or person you really grasp onto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. I'd be curious if you know if people the first time they watch this, if at the end of this episode was a tipping point for them, or they're like, oh yeah, I'm in on this show. I think for me, the big tipping point was the Michael Michael reveal, which I think we get in the next episode. Yeah, um, yeah. I I I think I just uh, really trusted who recommended it, so I like. I don't, I remember it was like not till about halfway through the season, maybe the third episode where I was like, okay. Yeah, I think I also, because I remember you told me about it. And then I also remember when you told me that, I was like, oh yeah, that was the show I saw Sam Esmail tweeting about. And Sam Esmail is the guy who made Mr. Robot. And uh, I've heard him on a lot of podcasts, like his view of what he likes in TV and movies is very similar to mine. 
So, I mean, his favorite movie is Back to the Future as well. Yeah. Um, so when I saw him recommend it, I was like, well, this is probably something good to watch. And then you also told me it was good. And that was when I started watching it. Yeah. And I think unlike Mr. Robot, Derek was never meant to be a movie. No, 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 I, I there's no way. Um, it is interesting. Like we are big dark fans and maybe it's because it's a German filmmaker, but I have no idea who the showrunner is of dark. I don't know what his name is. Baron Oder. Has so, he made anything else? Um, I don't believe, not that I know of, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure, but um, I do. I am also, you know, I, I guess we're kind of wrapping up here for this episode. Yeah. Like uh, I am, I am really grateful for dark because it did, it was my gateway into a ton of foreign language entertainment, which, mm. um, you know, uh, I just, I don't know if it's being Jewish or what, but I was like, ah, German stuff, probably not for me. Like, I'm not sure what it was, but like, I'm just like, yeah, like, but I, since this, I've looked into a ton of different uh, German directors, like Fassbender and Vince Vender, like, and they all have a similar, like, no for lack of a better term dark sensibility to them mm-hmm. uh, and it's just like they're really mechanical storytellers while also like integrating the emotion into the story it's a really unique blend that like you know you just don't i this show could only be a german show i guess is why like it's just i, I couldn't see a french show yeah, I could see an American version of this. I mean, it would be very different, but uh, like something that plays with with this level of of intricacy and time travel, I, I could see in in you know many different uh, countries making this show. I I just I just don't see the subtlety for American TV to make this show. Yeah, uh, that's true. It, it might be in the level of commitment that you need for this show. Um, I, I don't know if there's any. I mean, Mr. Robot is probably the closest that I can think of where you really needed this, to pay attention. I think this show would be a lot like Under the Dome or something here where it's like... Oh, God, I hope they're, not. They're really trapped. They're trapped within a society. Like, we live in a society... It'd, like, it'd be like Joker. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I, think, I think a good comparison, too, would be like some of the lost ripoffs that we had after, like Flash Forward. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, yeah. where they... Or they identified the wrong aspects of loss that made loss amazing. Right. And, but, and like, so, but yeah, great second episode. Um, I don't have much else to say on this episode. I think the MVP, uh, if I were picking an MVP for this episode. It's um, hard on this episode for who the MVP is. Yeah, it's like, uh, I mean, uh, the second watch through, I'd say Tronte. Tronte, uh, okay. I Trante and Trante and Jana just both like um, really interesting. The my favorite moment was when I saw Trante sneak the Noah book into his pocket. Yeah, I still didn't see that. Yeah, if you like, I'll try to find the time codes and send it to you because like, it's so. I just love shows when they have a plan. Mm-hmm. And it's just um, whenever I see those clues from this show that really show they've set up the breadcrumbs, it just makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, I think if I had to pick an MVP, the person who got his way the best in this episode, I think is going to be Alexander um, because he was able to stop the police investigation and also hide the nuclear waste. Um, I know it eventually gets discovered, but he hides it. So I think it's him. You know, I, I also could give it to the stranger um, okay. just be, 
but I think I already gave Jonas an MVP last time. So uh, I'll, I'll repeat MVPs when they are deserving, but this one, cause it's like, it could be so many different people. There's not really one winner. Um, I'll give it to Alexander. I also could see Mikkel as well. Mikkel finally gets to the 80s. Although I feel like Mikkel will probably get, uh, he'll start getting MVPs a little later on. Yeah. Yeah. Houdini's fine. Yeah. But- yeah, a good episode. I like these smaller episodes just as much as the larger ones. Mm-hmm. It just it create it creates this world of Winden, this horrible, horrible world of Winden, or yeah, whatever it is, world, universe, town, cave, dome. dome. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we will be back very soon with episode number three of digesting dark in the meantime if you have jumped on board uh, we you know should start popping up in different podcast feeds soon um but you can subscribe definitely on spotify or on anchor and should be on apple and google podcasts and all those other platforms soon um, we're going through one episode at a time we're gonna do all of season one and season two before the third season comes out at the end of june and we'd love to hear from you if you're watching uh you can tweet at me at brooks za and you can tweet at aaron at aaron j brooks j-a-y yes j-a-y yes he has a very long twitter handle that's a good thing that uh handles don't count for characters yeah i created it like right at the beginning of twitter and i think i thought that was like where the full name section was where i was making my (laughs) oh i just was like my name is aaron j brooks my socials like I should have put my social security number as the numbers after my name. Exactly. Yes. Uh, what was your high school mascot and uh, first car and all that stuff? Yeah. First concert was Gin Blossoms. Yes. That's, you know, it's funny. I, I think I always answer Red Hot Chili Peppers for that, uh, which I probably shouldn't be saying on a podcast, but uh, Gin Blossoms was the first concert we attended. Gin Blossoms yeah, and Google Dolls. Yep. Exactly. So, and any uh, other password questions you have, just DM me. Favorite action figure. Um. I did like the action figures. It, it brings me back to the days of, of simple times when it was just playing with action figures. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I wonder what those action figures mean. Yeah. So, um, all right. So we'll be back. Uh, we're going to the 80s for the next episode, at least for most of it. And we're going to follow Mickle. He does his own Marty McFly. Mickle McFly, I guess is what we can call him. And uh, he's going to interact with his his parents. I did like how subtle they make that uh that he's in a different time when he gets out of the cave the cave looks a little bit different there's the trees down in front of it and even the cars are like older versions of cars but if you weren't really you might not pick up on that right away yeah and um yeah like it's just yeah it's just really um next episode you really i really think you get it into the mindset like what if this happened to you yeah no way to tell anybody you're just gonna sound crazy well that's what marty went through He's got to yeah. find um, – Mikkel has to find his dock, which maybe he should have tried to find HG, which could have been – you know, that's basically the dock. HG does look a lot like dock. Yeah. Like, what, which like, show owes more to Back to the Future, this one or Rick and Morty? Yeah, no <laughs> Or, you know, or Mr. Robot. Yeah. Well, I think maybe this is just uh, – we're seeing filmmakers come up that grew up with a favorite movie in 1980s that was in the early 1990s that was Back to the Future. Yep. If I had an, if I had the creativity to make my own show, it would have been heavily influenced by that as well. So, but yeah, great episode. I'm looking forward to the next one. All right, we'll see you guys for the next episode. Do you remember what the name of the next episode is? Uh, the see. next episode is Past and Present, I believe. Oh, Past and Present. Okay, cool. So we've had Secrets, Lies, and now we will have Past and Present yep. very soon. Yep. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Yep.